Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, today we're launching our Christmas series called Wonder. So I thought, I thought we, we should start with just uh, thinking about the wonderful things of the season. And what are some of your favorite things? You know, Oprah has her favorite things. What are your favorite things when you look at the holiday season? How many of you would like, uh, let's say you love decorations. You love going to like Christmas lights in the south. You love going uh, out in the car to see everybody else's decoration. You love decorating your house. Let me see your hands. How many of you just love the decorations of the season? Got a number of you. I'll tell you, when I, Patty and I were first married, uh, we used to do Christmas in Louisiana with her family. And in Monroe, back in those days, they had something called Christmas Card Lane. So I'm a neophyte. I go there. We eat Christmas dinner and everything. They said, well, we got to go to Christmas Card Lane. I said, what? And Christmas Card Lane is where families on a certain street that all of them would make life-size Christmas cards and put it in their front yard along with their lights and everything else. And so you'd see, like, Merry Christmas from, let's say, the Smith family or whatever else. And so that was their big thing. They wanted to decorate the entire street Christmas card lane. So we love decorations. How many of you would say that you love gifts? You, like, you love going shopping. I mean, Christmas shopping like gives you energy. You love buying gifts. You love giving gifts. That gifts, man, it's all... Christmas is about gifts. Let me see your hands. Oh, I got a lot of online shoppers here. I, I laugh. I say, if you ever want to meet my wife, uh, just if you don't meet her here at church, just go to the mall on Saturdays, let's say from 10 to like 4, and her and Sarah will be there, and you can connect. Because when, right, when she comes home every week, I say, well, what church members do you see at the mall today? And she, she outs some of you. Um, how many of you say that when you look at the holidays, you just love the food? I'm telling you, the food is awesome. Any, yeah, the men are just, um, yeah, all over the place. You're saying the Christmas food is, is great. Well, we already know what's the most important part of Christmas. So this is not a setup, okay? But the most important part of Christmas, when we look at the very word Christmas, what does that mean? Christ mass, which is mean Christ worship. And so it's all about worshiping Jesus. And that's why we do six Christmas Eve weekend services. And I want to encourage you to, uh, this week, take time and then say, why don't you come to church with me uh, on Christmas Eve? I believe that people, non-church people, are more uh, open to coming uh, during the holidays than any other time of the year. So just make this a part. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to... um, to take somebody from somebody else's church, you know, they're going to the church down the street and said, hey, you need to come see, uh, we're the, the greatest uh, service in town, and, and we are. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest show in, in town. That is true, you know, um, that is true. Augusta Magazine says that too. Um, did I say we won? Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, but our goal here 
and this is sincere honesty. Our goal here is not to uh, take anybody from anybody else's congregation. We want to support them, bless them. Our goal is to look around our friends and say, is there somebody here uh, in our friend group that does not go to church, doesn't really understand uh, what Christmas is all about? And that's who we want to just uh, have a conversation with this week and maybe say, hey, why don't you come to church with us on Christmas Eve? And how about this? Think about people that are not like us, people who are different than us. How about people who are from different countries and and maybe they look at Christmas, although that's uh, when you uh, worship the United States God, you know, that type of mentality. Just say, hey, why don't you come? Because here's what I believe. I believe they'll not only learn something, but they will experience something. That's what our goal is every week. We want you to learn something, maybe just something that you'll walk out of this auditorium and say, oh, I didn't know that. So uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you the three names of the wise men. You probably never heard of that before. And, um, but I want you to learn something new every week, something that you walk away, oh, I didn't know that. But I, what I also want you to do, I want you to experience something. I want you to feel something. I want you to walk and I want you to feel uh, the message. I want you to feel the song. And that's what we want to do at Christmas Eve. We want them to feel the Christmas, the Christmas spirit, which is the Holy Spirit working in this room, uh, bringing people closer to Christ. And so uh, when we look at the word Christmas, Christ mass, it's all about worshiping. But one of the challenges is that we can go through the whole season and do a lot of things, but never take time to worship because we're busy. Because this is a busy time of the year. There's so much going on. You're doing this and you're doing that and you're rushing here and you're rushing there. And before you know it, you could go through the whole season and say, oh man, I forgot. Isn't Jesus the reason for the season? Now, practically, when you think about it, December is crazy. You know, in this one month, uh, we try to pack it all in. In this one month, we make a decision. Oh, you know what? We're going to send a card out to all of our friends. Some people we like and some people, we're going to send cards to some people we don't even like. And then we're going to actually take time to write a little note on the bottom of that card for some of those. And we do that all in this month. And, and we also said, you know what, why don't we just take the month and let's just redecorate our house. Which, you know, we've got to go to the attic, pull all that stuff down. And some of it's tired and weary. And we go to Pinterest and we figure out what's new and fresh. And, and, and so we, we have to do all of that. Thank God for Pinterest, right? You know, it's added more stress to husbands all across this land than anything else. Honey, I saw this on Pinterest. Oh, no, stop looking at that stuff. And so, you know, and so we say this month, let's redecorate the whole house. But... You know, then we decided, okay, let's go buy a, the perfect gift for the people that, that mean uh, the most to us. And so we, we want to add that. And it can't be anything um, like we've done in the past. We've got to do unique and special. So that takes time. Or then how about this? We decided, hey, we're going to go bake some things, bake some cookies, bake some pies, do this. And so we decide that the month of December that we're going to become Bobby Flay or something. Or we're going to become, um, you know, Rachel Ray. I couldn't get that out. That was that poetic pause there. But it was really thinking, what was her last name? Um, We're going to become Rachel Ray. And, and, you know, we turn on the oven and your oven screams because it hadn't been on all year long. And, And now it's working overtime. Seriously, it's working overtime. 
And uh, so we do that uh, during the month of December. Then we have this idea, well, why don't we let the kids get out of school for two weeks during the month? That'll make everything calm. That'll make it all easy, you know? And so we do all of this and we get so busy that we don't find time to worship. And when we don't find time to worship, we lose the wonder of the season. We lose the wonder. And so over the next few weeks, we're just going to take some time. We're going to take a deep breath and we're going to say, God, speak to us. Help us to recapture the wonder of the season. So today we're going to start by looking at the nativity scene and we're going to focus on the wise men. The book of Matthew calls them the magi. We're going to focus on them and hear their story. And as they're just really saying, God, where do you want me to go? You know, maybe some of you've been that, that you're longing for direction inside it. Where should we go on that? So when we were in Jerusalem a few weeks ago. Patty and I splurged, and this was a splurge, and we bought a, a nativity scene. Now, Patty, she has a passion for nativity scenes. Um, and we have them all uh, around our house. And when she saw this in Jerusalem, we're in Old Town, Jerusalem, and we saw this uh, beautifully, and they said, oh, it's hand-carved in Bethlehem. It's hand-carved out of olive wood. And we thought, man, that's pretty neat. You know, we, so we bought that. Of course, it came in last week. And as I was unwrapping, I'm looking for the sticker that says Made in China. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, they said it's hand carved. I'm a practical person. I'm a realist, and, and, and maybe the order was put in in Bethlehem, but they promised me this was hand carved in Bethlehem out of olive wood, uh, regardless if it was made in Bethlehem or China. It, is, it was beautiful. Um, and so we look at these three figurines. You want to see what they look like? And so the, I, I took, uh, I didn't, I'm not going to show you the whole nativity scene, but these are the, the wise men from that. Um, and so made in. No, it's Japan. Excuse me. I, I saw that. Not, not, just kidding. And so these are the magi. These are the wise men. Now, what do we know about these guys, these three guys? Uh, we know that um, there could have been a lot more magi than this, but tradition says that there's three. Why? Because there were three gifts given, but they typically traveled in a, a great caravan. But uh, we know that these were cult heroes, that these guys had it all together, that these were people of resources. Uh, they, they were people of great minds and insight and, and wisdom. They were people that had unique opportunities in their lives. They studied the Hebrew literature and they understood that, that God was going to break through the darkness and bring his light. In fact, they understood the words of Numbers chapter 24 in the Old Testament that they said that a star would come and announce the birth of Jesus. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And so we see these guys in the nativity scenes and and. And we see them there, and we have come to believe that they were there on Christmas Eve, um, on that Christmas day. You know, I mean, we see the scene, right? We've got the wise men, we've got Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, we've got some camels and, and all of that. And we've got the shepherds, don't forget the shepherds, uh, and they were there, but that's not the case. Most people don't realize that the time, by the time... That the Magi saw the star and found the Christ. They had been searching for months. 
In fact, they had been, some historians would say they searched for nearly two years. In other words, they were late for Christmas. They were late. I mean, have you ever been late for something? You know, the, uh, they, so they were late for Christmas. Uh, a few years ago, my Aunt Sandy said, you know, Marty said, you know, if the wise men would have been women, things would be totally different. I said, really? Yeah, she said, if the wise men were, were, were women, they would have stopped and asked for directions and it wouldn't have taken them two, two years to get there. They said, you know, she said, Marty, if the wise men were women, you know, they would have cleaned up the place and Jesus wouldn't have to be born in a barn. And if the wise men were women, they would have brought practical gifts, like a casserole or something. But the wise women were not women. Um, but the tradition tells us that, uh, that they came and they came from the east or the orient. Uh, we know the song, right? The we three kings of Orient are. I don't know the rest of the words, so I won't quote them to you. I know all the parodies that go along with that too. But tradition tells us that they're from Persia. Persia is the modern day Iran. And tradition tells us, this is tradition, tells us that their names were Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar. And so that's their names. And you say, oh, I didn't know that. I bet you didn't. Um, and so tradition tells us that the Apostle Thomas traveled east and met them and uh, they were baptized and became evangelists. That's tradition. That's not initially in the scriptures. However, this is interesting. Uh, you have heard of Marco Polo. Some of you, if you ever swim in the pool in the summertime and you play the game Marco Polo, it's more than just a kid's game. He actually traveled the world and he wrote about his travels. And supposedly, uh, in, uh, not supposedly, in chapter 13 of his book on the travels, the description of the world, I uh, referenced this yesterday, in 1298, he went to the province in Asia where the three wise men were buried. He said, in Persia, there's a city which is called Saba, from whence were three magi who came to adore Christ in Bethlehem, and they're buried in this city in this fair sepulcher. And so in 1298, he traveled around and he gave credence to what I just told you. So you've heard probably more history than you wanted to hear so far. But uh, let's uh, press on and let's go to God's word. I think it's always interesting that, that we just have a little insight and it helps bring God's word alive. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. From the east, they came to Jerusalem. They asked the question, hey, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Next verse. We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Drop down to verse 7. Then Herod uh, called the Magi secretly. And he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. I think this is always interesting. A careful search. Because we see that the wise men were the original seekers. He made a careful search for the child. Um, And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. and, And the star they had seen in the east and went ahead 
of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child uh, with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and what? They worshiped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, uh, incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their city by another route. Like I said earlier, the, uh, the, the Magi had been searching for, a, for a, up to two years. And I realized that when you see this, it's, this, repre- uh, this can speak to many of us because many of us today are searchers. We're seekers. We're looking. We're looking for um, truth. We are looking for uh, purpose. We're here looking, we're longing to know why on earth that we've been placed here at this particular time. And when we look at this story of the Magi, I think there are four things that this story tells us. The first one, you can fill in the blank, that God reveals himself to those who are looking for him. God reveals himself to those who are looking for him. I believe that the Magi's search started with a a number of promptings. They started having these promptings from the Lord. Oftentimes, God uses normal, everyday promptings to get us to think new thoughts and to think us new thoughts about Him. And God reveals Himself to people who are looking for Him, who are searchers, who are seekers. You know, when we uh, back in 1992, when we started to uh, really change the church. We really embrace the concept of people who are far from God and people who are seekers. And said, so what if we could build a church for people who are far from God? What if we could build a church for people who don't know the stories of the Bible? What if we could build a church for those people who are longing for something, but they really can't even put their finger on it for what they're longing for? But they know that there's an emptiness inside of them. And so we started to to craft this service to be a a user-friendly approach where you can bring your friends from all different backgrounds, from people who are completely unchurched, and and that they could hear the message presented in a way that they could understand it. Now, back in those days, that was revolutionary. Uh, uh, In today's market, you've got a, a number of congregations like this. But we started focused on seekers, people who are seekers. And maybe some of you are seekers. You're here because a friend invited you. And I want to encourage you, come back next week. Come back. God has prompted you and brought you to this place where you are, have this interest in spiritual things. And there's nothing like better than Christmas or Easter that will, will cause these conversations and these interests to come up. And I want to say to you, Stevens Creek is a safe place for you. It's a safe place for you to bring your doubts and uh, your concerns. It's a safe place for you to bring your questions. We just want you to come back. We're not going to make you do anything. We just want you to come back. I saw this. When we first started this, I had a next-door neighbor that I, I just longed to see to come to church. And so I'd had a lot of conversations with him and and finally, I, I'd asked him to come and asked him to come. And he, finally, one day, he showed up. And so he, he showed up. And, and in my tradition, uh, we, we would 
go after that person, that, that moment they showed up, and we wanted them saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost right then, okay? But I start to realize that people are coming from a lot of different places. They're coming from different backgrounds, church background, no church background, some broken places. And so we said that we're going to let this be a place where people are comfortable, uh, can find comfort and they can feel welcome regardless of their state. We're going to be a place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. And so our goal for you is not to get you saved today. However, some of you need to take that step. Our goal for you is to get you to come back next week. Because it's a process for some folks. They have to hear that. They have to think about it. And that's what it was for my next-door neighbor. It was a process. And, and uh, he would come back and uh, maybe miss a few weeks and then come back and then miss a few in, and start to come back. And then about nine months into this, I, I looked back and there's that small little church. And uh, I made a call and a prayer. And I looked back and his hand went up like that. His life was changed. Because we allowed him to, to come to a place where he could come at his own pace. that you can be a seeker here at Stevens Creek. And that we're going to design a service for seekers, people who are looking to take their next step. And so God reveals himself to those people who are looking for him. The amazing thing, when you think about these wise men, they're not even Jewish. These guys are not even Jewish, yet God led them to the Messiah. And by this, I believe in their story, God is saying that the Savior is for everyone. Everyone. Regardless of your background. Regardless if you have a religious background or if you're totally irreligious. That he's saying the Messiah, the Christmas story is for all. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, male or female, smart or, or maybe you're intellectually challenged. It, the message is for all of us. You know, the, the ground is level when it comes to the cross of Christ. All are welcome. This echoes the theme of, of Jeremiah 29 and 13. When God says, you'll seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You'll seek me and, you, and what? You will find me if you come just with all your heart. God reveals himself to those people who are looking for him. Are you looking? Are you searching? Are you looking for purpose? Are you looking for meaning? Are you looking for freedom? He said, you will seek me and you will find me if you find me with all of your heart. Christmas is a time for seekers. And I just want you to, to be open to God's prompting. Here's the second thing. I believe that God will lead you if you are willing to follow him. God will lead you if you are willing to follow him. When they saw the star, they were willing to take the step. These wise men, they embarked on a journey to say, we're going to find the Christ child. And, and when you think about it, this journey took between 500 and 1,000 miles. 
for them to find the Messiah. Can you imagine getting on a camel and riding from Dallas to Augusta? Or from Boston to Augusta? Or Kansas City to Augusta? And they're on this and they're headed literally to an unknown place. But they're willing to take the step. They're willing to go. You know, God calls us to a similar path. He asks us to to take that step, to believe in him, to trust in him. And for the uh, wise men and for us, oftentimes it's an unfamiliar path. And it's a path that brings us, okay, some angst and some, we're concerned, you know, we're nervous about it. We're scared about that because we've never been there before. But God will lead you if you're willing to follow him. I, I like to say it this way too. God always will speak loud enough for a, a willing ear to listen. God will speak to you. Some of you are just crying out because you're saying, God, are you real? Is this story about God and Jesus and Christmas and Easter and all, is that a fable? Is it a tradition or is it something real? I'm very comfortable if you, if you have that question. I am very comfortable with that. And I want you to go through this series um, on wonder. And I just want you to go and I want you to hear intellectually the message. But I want you to open your heart to feel something. Because just one touch of the Lord can change your life forever. Just one touch. On coming to the house, in verse 11, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. I think these guys recognized that they were in the presence of something very special. They were in the presence of something greater. They were in the presence of the Lord. So they immediately did something that was very natural to them. When they sensed the presence of God, they they naturally bowed down, and and they worshipped him. I think when a person sees who Jesus is, the natural response is to bow down, to humble ourselves, and to worship him. And I realize some people push away, and some people say, I will never bow down to anybody. But I would say to you, oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. One day, in Romans chapter 14, it says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every t- uh, tongue will confess so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. One day, all of us, the sinner and the saint, all of us will come to a place where we will bow down. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. The wise men, they bow down, they humble themselves, and they worship the Messiah. Now, when I say, when you see this word worship, and you hear this word worship, there's a lot of images that that go along with that word. When we hear that word worship, we often talk about singing songs. We talk about getting our worship on, you know. I think we think about people who pray. We think about people who go through rituals. Or, or we think about people who receive communion like we did last week. That was a part of our worship. It is about something you do in church. Now, worship includes all of those things that I just mentioned. But worship is so much more than that. 
You see, I believe that worship is simply expressing your love to God. Anytime you say, God, I love you, that's worship. Anytime you say that, that's, that's worship. God created you to love you. God created you to love you, and he wants you to love him back. God created you, you can fill in the blanks, God created you to love you, and he wants you to love him back. When you love him back, that is worship. So the Magi came and bowed down, they humbled themselves, they worshiped. In addition to that, to bowing down, they they brought gifts. You see, worship is not just taking things in, taking in. Worship is about giving out. In worship, we come and we take in God's presence and and we humble ourselves. But worship is more than just taking in. It's about giving out. And so these three gave gifts. They opened their treasures. They presented the gifts of gold and in incense and myrrh. Now, what, what do we know about these three gifts? These are significant gifts. These were not just random gifts like you would pick up uh, in the, the line at your department store. Oh, they would like this and just grab that gift and go. But these three gifts had significance. You say, well, what are the significance? Well, the first one is gold. They gave him gold. Gold is a symbol of royalty. With this gift, these wise men were designating that this is the king. And the king uh, deserves to have gold. Gold is a gift that was given to kings. The Bible says that Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. What does that mean to us? That when we come to approach the king, that we bring something of value, that we give him something of value. We give him our lives. That is valuable. But we also tangibly give him gifts too. We talk about the Christmas Eve offering. And and this is a a long-standing tradition. It's over 25 to 30 years in the making where we say we want to bring our best gift to the Lord this Christmas. So we give a lot of gifts. But we just want to bring our best gift to the Lord. And so they brought something very valuable. They brought gold. It was a symbol of royalty. But they also brought frankincense or incense. This is a symbol of divinity. It was this expensive fragrance which they used in the Old Testament. And they sprinkled it on the offerings or they used it in the temple to purify them or to make them worthy of the Lord, the worthy of God. And with the gift of frankincense, these wise men were saying, this baby is the son of God and he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy. And the third thing they gave him was myrrh. Now, what's up with the myrrh? Myrrh is a symbol for suffering. It was a substance used for deadening pain or or is actually used for embalming people. And so what they were saying is that this baby that is born in this manger and this baby that we're bowing down to worship, this baby was born to die. And he gave his life, a life of suffering, and he gave his life on the cross to buy our sins, uh, to pay for our sins, to, so that our sins could be atoned for. So what we see in this, we're... To give him our best and we're to give him our worst. 
that your worst mistakes, your worst uh, thoughts, your worst actions, that you bring those to him this Christmas. Yes, you give him your best, but we want you this Christmas to give him your worst. Those things that bring shame and those things that bring guilt. And when we bring those to him, he takes those and he redeems those. And he makes us new and he makes us fresh. He makes us clean. So we give him our lives. Last verse. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. By another route. This is interesting to me that they didn't go back the same way that they came. When you are in the presence of the Lord, he changes your life. And you never leave the same way that you come in. Your life has changed. We talk about it. We call it the word repentance. You're going in one direction you, and you convert, you turn, and you start walking in a different direction. That's what it means. You go home a different route. God redirected them. God changed their plans. There are times when God is going to change your plans. There are times when God is going to open a door for you and you're going to step through that door. There's other times where God is going to close a door for you. And in closing that door, he's saying, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go home by another route. And you've got to trust him in this. And you've got to believe that God is going to see you through this. You've got to uh, know that God has not forgotten you. That God is going to put the right people in your place, in your life. He's going to put the right opportunities. He's going to put the right resources. He's going to guide you and he is going to protect you. Here's the point. God is always working behind the scenes to guide and protect you. God is always working behind the scenes to guide and protect you. you. He is calling you to take a step. And that step may be different than where you've come from or what you've done. He may be leading you down another path. But you've got to trust him that he is going to guide you. That he is going to open the doors that you're to walk through and close the doors that you're to stay away from. That his guidance and his leadership is going to be preeminent in your life. But I also believe that he is going to protect you. When he sent these wise men on a different route, that was his way of protecting them. God will protect you. I believe that, um, that God sends his angels to protect you. Oftentimes you hear the word a guardian angel and you say, Pastor, do you believe that we have a guardian angels? I do. The New Testament tells us that there are angels there as ministering spirits to guard and protect us. And I can look back in my life and I can see uh, times where I believe that there's an, an angel has been there. It'll be interesting that when we get to heaven and we look back at our lives, I believe that there will be a lot more angelic occurrences than we ever imagined. But one in particular in our life, we were headed uh, from Augusta to Columbia on I-20. And this has probably been a good 15 years ago, but it is so prominent in our lives. It made such an impact that, um, that we remember it. We're going down I-20 and all of a sudden there was a person in our blind spot and we went to, um, 
to over, go into uh, to the next lane. We heard the horn, overcorrected. And before we know it, the person that is behind us is in front of us, and cars were all redirected. Three cars were redirected on that highway. And we don't know how we got through that without having a crash. And everybody was safe, except that God sent an angel there to protect us. It moved us so much that we had to take the next exit and just cut the car off and just take a deep breath. God always uh, is working behind the scenes to guide, and I believe he's protecting you. And some of you, he's calling you to take that step into that new area, and you're just afraid. I get it. I understand. Fear really gets us. But here's the point. You lose your fear when you know that God is near, that God is going to go with you through this process and that you're not going to be by yourself. But you've got to put your trust in him. So, what do you need God to do in your life? Right now. What are those longings? What are those empty feelings? What are those difficulties? What are those ailments? What do you need God to do in your life? Don't let this be just another day at church where you can check it off. I've been to church. But let this be a moment where we're open up to the promptings of God. And this presence of God comes and touches us right where we are. I want to pray for you. And I want to believe that God is going to hear and answer that prayer for you. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, today could be that day. That today is the day that you take that step and you say, Jesus, I need your guidance and I need your leadership. I want you to be the leader of my life and the Lord of my life. And you just, you start off by saying that, Jesus, save me. And I'll pray for you in a few minutes and we'll start with that. Just save me. Forgive me for my sins. Just be honest. It doesn't have to be um, a real complicated prayer. It can be just the simple prayer of your heart. Save me. Some of you are at a place where you're saying, oh, God, help me. Help me. Just you cry out, help me. I pray that prayer a lot. God, help me. I don't know if I can get through this day or this week. I need a power that is greater than mine. I need your strength. I don't have strength. I need your strength. Help me. Maybe that's your prayer today. I want you to be open to receive what God has for you. You ready to pray? Father, thank you so much for this moment that we have. And I realize there are people watching online and people in this room who have never made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe they've been here week after week and today they feel that today is that day. So if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. God, change their life right now as they pray these simple prayers. And God, there's another group that's just crying out because they're in a place of desperation. I pray in the name of Jesus that as they cry out, say, Jesus, help me. As they surrender, as they humble themselves before you, God, let your power come and make a way where there seems to be no way. God, let your spirit come and bring them strength and encouragement.
Let that happen today. And God, we pray this in faith and we thank you for what's going to take place. And we pray this in the very strong name of Jesus. And everybody in the room said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.